Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hell, I suck at dating. With Dean Ungler and Jared Haven, an iHeartRadio podcast. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to an all-new episode of Help. Jared's dogs won't stop barking. Oh this is God, Dean Ungler. Dude. It's terrible. <laughs> like, every time we're like, all right, let's record. Lois and Ethel are like, you know, it's funny. So I'm again at my in-laws house and they have uh, there's landscapers around and they literally I heard the lawnmower start up right before I joined the Zoom. I'm like, you got to be freaking joking. The dogs are going to lose their minds. So perfect timing. Welcome to Help I Suck at Dating with Lois and Ethel losing their minds in the background. You know, you know, I, I can see how a lot of us would think it's a bad thing, but in my eyes, it's a good thing. Just like how sometimes there's like ambient restaurant noises going on when we record. It keeps this podcast, the grassroots authentic self that we needed to always be. Yeah, it really humbles us. <laughs> it, well, it humbles us. And, you know, it lets every all of our, you know, fellow sucky daters, the suck army know that you know, that's just life. Sometimes it gets in the way of the things you need to be doing. Yeah, we're just pissing in the wind on this podcast. You never know what's going to yeah. happen. Dean's in a restaurant. My dogs are losing their mind. That's why people listen. They just want to know what's happening in our lives. Jared, what are we talking about today? We're talking about a lot of things. So we have a great guest that's coming up. We have a Dr. Jessica Shepard, who's an OBGYN. Say that five times fast, fast. And she's a woman's health expert. And she's also the founder of Her Viewpoint, which is an online women's health forum that focuses on addressing taboo topics uh, in a comfortable setting, which is fantastic. She's going to be coming up on the podcast a little bit later. We also have this article about uh, can anonymous internet critics actually fix your online dating profile. I think this is actually something you and I can speak pretty well on because we've had an, a lot of, quote, anonymous critics critique our dating life, our Instagram profiles, uh, maybe not our dating profiles, so to speak, but like our overall relationship lives. So I feel like we can really speak well upon this. And of course, we have emails coming up um, later on in the podcast. This is something I wanted to talk about first, though, which is a brand new Netflix show. 
I don't know if you saw this, Dean, but it's called Sexy Beasts. Uh, it's coming out later this summer, I believe. But Sexy Beasts is a show that contestants... <laughs> It's kind of like Love is Blind with a uh, mix of The Masked Singer, if you've ever seen that show, where these contestants will show up in elaborate makeup and prosthetics in an attempt to answer an eight-old question about love, which is how much do looks actually matter? So these people get all dressed up, and I'm looking at a picture right now. It's like this super intricate uh, prosthetic design on these people's faces and it looks like their bodies too so I'm not sure if you can really tell how you know much in shape they are for lack of a better way of phrasing it but like this one woman has this mouse and it looks like I'm not even joking it looks like it was something in How the Grinch Stole Christmas or The Cat in the Hat like high-end Universal Studios types of prosthetics and these people are going on dates and I'm not exactly sure how the whole show works but I'm assuming at some point, after you get to know your furry friends, that they'll reveal themselves like Love is Blind, and you'll figure out if you're actually attracted to this person or not. So what do you think about this show concept, Sexy Beasts? Caitlin showed me the uh, the trailer for it a couple weeks ago, and it's, I th- she was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I honestly thought it was pretty awesome. I don't know if it's... Uh, you know, I'm not, I don't have my ear on the ground as far as the furry community goes. I don't know if the furry community is like, you know, disgraced and, and kind of a, a little upset by this, but uh, yeah, offended. <laughs> offended. Yeah. I mean, I can kind of see like why maybe they would be. I don't know. I think it's hilarious. It's just like, uh, you remember the show Love is Blind? It's basically like Love is Blind, except, you know, you're, you're hanging out with this person, but then all of a sudden they take off their rat costume and then you have no idea what they're going to look like underneath. I, I mean, I don't know. I think it's it's like one of those shows that you're definitely going to watch at least the first episode to like see if it's something that you're going to be interested in just because of how weird it is. And then if it's good enough, you're definitely going to watch the rest. I find myself, I'm going to probably end up watching the whole thing, I think. It feels a little weird to me. I like the idea of it, but like how far are we going to go in today's society now to like have dating shows where you can't see the other person's face because you want to get to know their personality first and then they'll reveal themselves. So I feel like all these TV producers now are like, okay, you know, love is blind is out there. Uh, we, we need to figure out some way to do that show, but not do that show. You know what I mean? Have our own thing. Let's put masks, but like not just regular mask on people when they go on dates, but like, <laughs> let's dress them like animals. Let's have a squirrel, a panda, mm-hmm. an alien, a devil perhaps, and then we're going to put them on dates and it's going to be like a fetish type thing, but then they're going to take their masks off and really find out if they truly love each other with how they, if they're attracted to each other. I don't know. It's like, how far are we going to go? Like, what's the next thing? I don't know. Like, I don't know if I could take this show seriously. We got a mouse. We got an alien. Like, whatever. It's going to be funny, I guess. It'll be entertaining. To be fair, I didn't think The Masked Singer was going to work, and I love that show. So I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. I'll probably be wrong about this show, but I don't know if I'm going to watch it. You make a good point about the mask thing. It's like, yeah, they definitely could have just sent these people out with like regular masks on, like a, you know, like a masquerade ball type mask. But they're like, like, no, you know what? Remember that Goosebumps mask? Like the Jason? No, you remember? You never watched Goosebumps or read Goosebumps as a kid? I read the books. I don't think I ever remember seeing You remember seeing the green the mask, though. bro, that it got stuck to her face and she couldn't take it off because it was, you know, obviously a, a possessed mask. 
Uh, no, I'm drawing a blank. But yeah, no, I see your point. I see your point. I don't know. Did you watch? Because uh, Demi, who we're friends with, was just on uh, Celebrity Dating Game. Yeah, that show's been. That show's been. Uh, it's been on TV. <laughs> it's been on for a while. I think it went away for a while. Right, but it's just. It was just. I don't know. Have you been watching it at all? No, I haven't watched it. Like I saw clips because Hannah was on it too. Hannah Brown. I don't think that's where she met her right. boyfriend though. So obviously it didn't work out with every contestant she picked. But yeah. They had Hannah on it, and then they had Demi on it. And I, I saw a clip to both, but I didn't watch it. But I don't know. Did Demi find someone? Do we know these things? Uh, I texted her when it was airing, and I was like, tell me you went on a date with this girl. Uh, and she just gave one, of, you know, like a Demi response, uh, just like joking around. But it was, I mean, you're not missing anything. It's just another one of those shows. I feel like that you're right. I feel like just right now there's so many shows that are just so ridiculous, obnoxious. Uh, they're just, you know, Throwing as much crap at the wall and hoping some of it sticks. It's what it really what it seems like. Hey, whatever entertains people, I guess. Uh, so our next topic is what we talked about before. Can anonymous internet critics actually fix your online dating profile? So this is an article from uh, Inside Hook. Or no, excuse me. It's just called Hook. I don't know what Hook is. I got to be honest. But hey, we like talking about it. When you're single and wildly unsuccessful, unsuccessful at online dating, you might attempt the same dicey maneuver that Peter and many others have, which is post your profile on Reddit so that hundreds of strangers can critique it. Peter says, I really wanted to know, how am I perceived? He's a scientist in his late 40s. He lives in the Southeast. And like the other Reddit users quoted in this article, he spoke to uh, them under a pseudonym. And he said, to me, that seemed to be important to do online dating. I needed to figure out how I'm perceived and how I project what I want to sell, for lack of a better term. He likens the act of deparation he took to Reddit to a market research. He says part of what prompted the decision was that after putting a good deal of effort into something, he's not used to such poor results. That's interesting. When Peter first offered up his profile to the subreddit for review, it was skewed. And rightfully so, he says. I did one thing wrong, Peter admits. I just had some pictures uh, and I just had some pictures and my height. The Reddit chorus, as they're called, chimed in to remind Peter that nobody can just have a blank profile. So with what he believed to be surgical precision, Peter reconstructed his entire dating profile, adding detail about some daredevil hobbies that he likes to take part in, some stuff about his job and his taste in movies, as well as upgrading his photos. So, Dean, do you think this is something that more people should do? anonymously post their dating profile on Reddit and see what people have to say about it? I think it takes a special person to be able to open themselves up to that kind of criticism. Because it really is, I mean, sometimes I'll see on Reddit, it's like, uh, you know, do your best roast me right now, Reddit. And you'll like click on the comments and it's just like so bad. <laughs> and like even, even if worst. you're like the... Th- even if you're like, if you know, even if you have like this thick skin and you're used to like everything, some of that stuff, man, it's like it's and they're, you know, obviously like they're asking for it. And so people on the Internet, the Internet's always undefeated. These people are freaking r- ruthless and like hilariously just mean sometimes, you know what I mean? So uh, I think as long as you go into it, knowing uh, that you're going to come out of it, uh, maybe like a little sadder, that's not the worst thing in the world to do. Yeah, the problem with the problem with Reddit is that there is some really horrible people on Reddit who will just say the meanest things, and it's not always truthful. Like, there's always that like that old saying where like the truth hurts, and so people feel like, you know, oh, I'm just being truthful. 
when in actuality you're just being an asshole. So yeah. the problem is I feel like Reddit people, because you're hiding behind a screen, we've talked about it numerous times, whether it be Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, I feel like Reddit's the worst in this, but they just say the meanest things. And it's not because they're being honest, it's because they just want to tear other people down. So like posting it on Reddit, I don't know, that's nerve wracking. So like you said, if you're going to do that, you better have some thick skin. I remember when I was on the show, not a dating profile, but even Instagram, it's like, you know... <laughs> I, I used to post and I wouldn't care about the photos that I posted, but I remember, you know, one photo would get such good engagement and then the next one wouldn't and be like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why that is. And then like people would be like, oh, the lighting sucks on this photo mm. or like, oh, it's so blurry. I can't even see anything. I'm like, oh, wow, my my pictures suck. Like I really need to step up my game. So as you and I were kind of thrown into the fire, I guess people can do it if they want, post their stuff to Reddit figure out what people are thinking about them or at least their dating profile. But again, better have some thick skin. Well, there's a guise to like the anonymity of it all where it's like, you know, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, your name or your handles attached to it. But Reddit, it's like, you know, it's, you are who you are. You're no one on Reddit essentially, right? Like you have no attachment between your Reddit personality and your real life personality. Or like there's no consequences you could face by being this person on Reddit because you're never going to get it traced back to you uh, in real life. Like, you know, it's, it's so funny. It's, it's, it's kind of funny that you mentioned this too. Like on Instagram, let's say I post a photo on Instagram, you know, it gets, you know, however many likes, thousands of likes, a couple hundred comments, whatever it is. And now I just like, I'm, I feel like I'm used to that. And so when I'm like on Reddit and I'm like commenting on things, uh, you know, like I'm like not active, but like I'm semi-active, like I'll comment a little bit on like certain forums, whether it's like van life forums or like, I don't know, there's like some video game ones that I like pay attention to or like Wall Street bets type crap. And it'll get like no engagement, like no one will interact with it. And I'm like, wow, I forgot what this was like to be like a person. Cause like, I've got no like wittiness about me or like, you know, to a degree, sure. But like compared to the people on Reddit, I am at the very bottom of the, of the pecking order. And so to like post something and get zero engagement out of it, not that that's what I'm posting it for anyways, but it's just like, it's just a very humbling experience. And I think that's what Reddit is there for is to kind of be that humbling, uh, resource for a lot of people. And yeah, I mean, the roast me things, man. And it's like, it's, it's interesting too. And maybe it's just the ones that I see, like the ones that kind of get, uh, upvoted to the top of the list. And that's like why they're on the popular page, but it's like, you know, like a slightly overweight person with like a big piercing in their nose and like a big tattoo on their neck. And it's like, of course you're going to be roasted for the things that make you look different. Uh, it's just, it, but it's just merciless is really what it is. But the dating, the dating profile thing, uh, could be beneficial because it's like, okay, yeah, you're not going to obviously take every bit of advice word for word, but it is a nice way to get like anonymous feedback on the things that you think are either clever or like the, your photos that you look cute in. So, I mean, I could see that being a little bit more beneficial than the simple, like holding a piece of paper saying roast me kind of thing, you know? Totally. You could also ask your friends too. Like, I feel like a lot of people are nervous about asking their friends for criticism about their dating profile to make it better. But like, that's what I would do first. I would ask my close personal friends saying, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? See how you handle that criticism. And if you handle it fine and you want more critiques, go to, then go to Reddit and try it out. I think you should just post your dating profile, however you want to post it, because that's who you are. And that's a reflection of you as a person. And so like by, Doing that, people are going to match with you based off of the things that you've done. 
which just kind of makes me maybe for more of a sincere connection at the end of the day. Well, I think you should definitely be Is that crazy, is that crazy to say? Well, I, I agree with you somewhat, but I also think you have to put some effort into it. In order to put effort into it, you, I, I've always found that, it, you know, it's always beneficial for me to like bounce ideas off my friends because it, that will, you know, have some uh, creativity into it compared to me where I don't feel like I'm that creative on my own. And I'm like, oh, I guess I feel like when I just do things on my own, I... I don't do them as well as I possibly could because I find I'm more creative when I'm in a circle or with my friends and be like, well, what about that? And then they something say something and I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. But that actually gave me another idea. So I don't know. It all depends on how much effort you really want to put into it. I guess that's the point of the story. I have a question for you, though, because you said that you're active on Reddit. Have you ever responded to Reddit people talking about you from the show? Uh, no, I mean, I'm familiar with the subreddit for the show. But I'm, I've never commented in it. Uh, I've ch- I used to check it sometimes, like every once in a while, like a long time ago. But, you know, I think it's just kind of like an ignorance is bliss thing at this point. A hundred percent. Ashley used to check it. She doesn't check it anymore. But she used to read a lot of the comments on Reddit and it would bug her because, you know, they were just ruthless. Or like I remember when we, we first got together, she was telling me that there were so many people on there um, saying that we were just doing it for fame and we weren't really in love and it was all fake. And that like, I was, I, I lost my 15 minutes of fame. So I was just wanted to cling on to Ashley to try to prolong this. And I remember one time, this is before Ashley and I came out as a, a couple, we were, we were dating, but we weren't public yet. And I might've told this story on the podcast before, but my friend, who's very much active on the subreddit. Uh, she's she's a big reality TV buff. And she sent me a screenshot of somebody who commented on the Reddit saying, um, she said uh, something along the lines about how one of her close friends was my best friend. And she told her that I, that Ashley and I were only dating for the fame and that we weren't actually in love and we were going to break up in two months and she said this to all the rest. She's like, I know Jared's best friend. And this is what the best friend told me because I'm friends with her. And uh, anyway, long story short, my sister uh, f- saw this and then found out who the Reddit person was, like found out who they no were and, and messaged them on social media and was like, what is like, why are you saying this about my brother? And she blocked my sister, deleted her comment. It was crazy. It was like, I can't Wait, believe that what? people just like say things and then get confronted about them and then are like never mind i was lying (laughs) wait that's actually insane and you know the reason that they do that is because they get the attention for it right like if you have like this juicy bit of gossip or whatever it's i mean and that that expands way outside of the internet too just in general like in person if you got like a little bit of hot gas and you you know you kind of like have people waiting on your every word uh so i mean that's kind of where that comes from but at the end of the day too it's like it is it is human nature to like kind of be at least a little curious to see and hear what people are saying about you, like kind of without your participation in there. Like, you know, if you had the chance to like eavesdrop on a conversation where your friends were talking about you without them knowing that you were listening to them, like, of course, everyone at least is going to be a little bit curious. Um, but like we said earlier, dude, the Internet can be a very, very mean and ugly place. Uh, and I'm not saying that's how it is over there, but I think you just kind of get to a point where you're like, you know what? I'm just going to uh, go ahead and forego that for my own mental health. And I think it should be that way. But Oh, 100%. We don't read them anymore. But And also, sorry, now, of course, they're coming. They're mowing the lawn over here. They're doing a great job. They're working hard. I don't mean to criticize them. They're, but oh, it's very loud. And I apologize to anybody listening to this podcast where the audio might sound, not sound the best in the background. But I digress. Um, what I was going to say is 
Oh, to bounce off the hop goss idea, you're totally right. But like, that's just human nature. It's not just like a Reddit thing or an internet thing. Like, that's just what human beings do. Remember, remember playing telephone as a kid, that game where like you'd have a line of like 15 people and somebody would say, you know, something into somebody's ear and then it would get passed along all the way down until it gets to the last person. And then you're like, okay, what did you actually say? And then what did the last person hear? Does that make sense? And, like, it's always wildly different because everybody, like, you know, speaks in hyperbole or dramatizes the situation or kind of changes a little bit. It's like, oh, I think it could be like, oh, uh, you know, Ashley and Jared broke up. Or I think Ashley and Jared broke up. And then the next person will say, Ashley and Jared broke up. And then the next person will say, I think Ashley broke up with Jared. And then, like, you know what I mean? It always just goes down until, like, oh, I heard that. You know, Ashley had a second family on on the island of of Oahu. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it definitely it definitely can snowball out of control. And I think one of the biggest things that made me uh, completely uns- not unsubscribe, but like completely be uninterested in ever checking it again uh, years ago, I was like, there was something set, similar situation. Someone said about me back when like Christine and I were still talking. That was like so like in my eyes, unbelievably false. And there's nothing you can do to like insert yourself and be like, no, this is a horribly wrong rumor. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, since I can't do that, since there's like no way for me to participate in this conversation and, and inform people what's going on, I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and exit this out forever. Yeah. It's just, you know? like you said, ignorance is, is bliss in certain situations. And that definitely is true with Reddit in a lot of terms. So pretty much the moral of the story is like, Post it on Reddit, your dating profile, if you're willing to get roasted. Um, oh, my God. Lois is losing her mind. Lois, we have a very special guest coming up on the podcast. You can't speak like this. It is Dr. Jessica Shepard, uh, once again, the OBGYN and women's health expert. She's joining us on the podcast coming up next. <laughs> Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty, beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. All right, welcome back to Help I Suck at Dating. We have a very special guest who is on the line joining us via Zoom. She is an OBGYN and woman's health expert and also the founder of Her Viewpoint, which is an online women's health forum that focuses on addressing taboo topics in a comfortable setting. It is Dr. Jessica Shepard. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Good. How are you? It's great to be here. 
Oh, we are doing well. Uh, so the first thing that I talk about, I, I mentioned, is about these taboo topics that you'd like to discuss in more of a comfortable setting. What taboo topics are you talking about? Oh, man, those taboo topics range from anywhere from a lot has to do with sexuality or sexual relationships. Um, but also when we think about a gynecologist, we also discuss STIs um, and things that can happen uh, to someone in some of these interactions. But again, I always try to bring it from the approach of it doesn't have to be shameful, because I think that's um, a taboo topic in general is sexuality and sexual relationships. And we have to do a better job at, you know, taking out the stigma from that. How do you think all of these became uh, taboo, tabooed, tabooized? Oh, I love this discussion. I could talk hours on this, but I think it has to do a lot with um, society and, and where we place the blame of if something happens. Um, a lot of that actually has been shifted to women. So if you even think about unintended pregnancy, right? A lot of times it's the woman who's like, oh, it was your fault. And you're like, I think there were two people involved in this. I'm not sure, mm -hmm. but that usually it happens. Um, and then even going down to, if you were to bring up the topic of herpes, HSV, and actually, you know, it has been something that's been around for a very long time, but it actually was in the 70s and 80s. Uh, they did a piece in Time magazine and put it to the forefront because there was, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, a lot of cases going up um, and people were unfamiliar with it. And so with that unfamiliarity and that uh, uncomfortableness with the topic, it was brought to the forefront in a matter of a shameful way. And some, since then, it mm. really hasn't become something that, uh, you know, has not come with stigma attached. And I can tell you definitely in the medical space, you know, we don't think of it stigmatized. We're just like, we know this is a virus. We know what occurs. We really are looking at how to treat you if you have an outbreak, because we don't want you to be in pain. Simple as that. And is that the big thing with herpes? Sorry, just a quick no, question, no. Jared. Is that the big thing with herpes is that it, it, an outbreak is painful? So obviously you don't want it if you can avoid it, but... Is that the, that's like the bit, the thing with herpes is the outbreak is painful. Yeah, I would say, and, and usually with the initial outbreak. So let me, you know, break, bring it back a few steps with the initial outbreak is usually very painful. Um, and viruses are very smart in the sense that because we typically don't have cures for viruses. So if you think of viruses like chickenpox is actually in mm -hmm. the same family as the herpes virus, um, HIV, uh, HPV, uh, coronavirus. So if you look at all the viruses, they, we typically don't have a cure for it. But what we do have are treatments or medications that can suppress the virus in a way that it doesn't reveal what its symptom is. And so when someone has an initial uh, herpes outbreak, it is very painful because it usually comes with blisters and nerve endings are involved and that's mm. why it's so painful but typically after that there are people who do have recurrent outbreaks and those can be uh, somewhat discomforting or painful but there are a lot of people who have outbreaks and don't even know they're having an outbreak so therefore no pain which is usually why we see numbers uh, of herpes very um, increased I think it's very under diagnosed because a lot of people have it and don't know it so i always like to say you know people who like to make the joke about herpes or whatever they actually could have it themselves and not know and i'm like well who's the joke hmm. on that right so it's one right. of those topics where you're like probably i usually tell my patients i think probably everyone has probably been exposed to hsv at some point in their life but a lot of people don't know that and so we're really taking care of the population that know that they have it, that have symptoms, and we're really trying to decrease the amount of outbreaks that they have. So you can have herpes without okay. symptoms? 
Yes. <laughs> uh, and then there, there's different types of herpes, right? Because yeah. I've always learned as growing up, like, you know, a cold sore, a cold sore, mm-hmm. right? That's like a form of herpes, isn't it? Yeah. Or it can so be. It's the same herpes. And we're like, it's just in a different part of your body. But all of a sudden, when it's below the belt, we're like, oh. But we don't walk right. around, you know, when someone has a cold sore and we're like, oh my gosh, go back in, uh, inside and don't come out until that's gone. Dude. I've got a random question. Yeah. It's, a, it's funny too, because it feels like we're at a doctor's appointment. So oh, you <laughs> no, are. I love this. <laughs> appointment right here. <laughs> Okay, so I've been in a monogamous relationship for a little over two years now. Mm-hmm. Would you ever recommend for people that are in monogamous relationships to still get STD checks? Absolutely. I tell my patients when they come in, whether they're single, married, widow, divorced, that they should have an annual check. Um, hmm. Because, again, the whole stigmatization that if someone had something um, and it was unnoticed, again, we're more on the side of keeping you healthy and safe, so we would want to treat you. Um, and I think what comes from most people who are getting the testing is that there is going to be some shame or like some blaming going on. And we're really looking at how can we optimize your health, which is information, which is knowing. And so the best way to know is to test. So it's not to say that you have to have one every week. Definitely don't do that. But I think having a baseline and then maybe annual checks together, make it a date. Go get tested together. Oh, that would be a good day. Yeah, that Friday would be a really right interesting day. Well, is it possible to get an STD from not having sex? I don't know these things. What do you mean? Well, like, can you get an STD? I know it's a sexually transmitted disease, but like Dean, you just said, if you're in a monogamous relationship, what's the point of getting tested? And doctor, you just said, well, you should still get tested. So my question is, how can you catch an STD? Mm-hmm. as long as you're only having sex with someone who doesn't have one? That's a great question because a lot of people who have HSV, most times when you go, I will preface it with this, that when you go to get your annual uh, visit with the doctor and you you ask for STD testing, many will test for the most common, such as like gonorrhea, chlamydia, and they don't test for HSV because again, we usually only test for HSV if someone comes in with symptoms. So we're trying mm-hmm. to rule it out. But because herpes, um, again, comes with such an emotional baggage with it, as far as when someone finds out they're diagnosed, they go down the rabbit hole. We typically reserve testing for unless they ask for it specifically, or if they have an outbreak that tells us, hey, this might be HSV, let's test you for it. And it's a blood test. Um, and a lot of women will say, oh, I was had my STD test. And we're like, but did you get a blood draw? And they'll say, no, mm-hmm. I just got a swab. And I'm like, well, that probably would only include trichomonas, um, gonorrhea, and chlamydia. Let's add this on if you want. Because it can be Pandora's box in the sense that if you've never had an outbreak and you have it, I wouldn't treat you anyway. So if I test you and you've never had a symptom and then it comes up positive, a lot of people go down the rabbit hole. So I really have a a very thoughtful, intentional discussion before someone wants to be tested, but not having a symptom, if that makes any sense. No, that doesn't make sense. Okay, gotcha. When you say, what do you mean by swab? When you said swab earlier. Oh, so a swab, like when you swab the vaginal uh, cervical canal or the penile head. Mm. Oh, God. Okay. Because uh, I'm just thinking back to the last time I got a test, which it, it was, you know, two and a half years ago. So not very long ago. But I do remember blood being drawn. Yeah. And I don't remember being swabbed. So I'm wondering if I was checked for everything. But So typically, again, with a swab, um, did you do urine? 
I did urine and I did yeah. blood draws. So they can't I don't, catch I've... from a swab what you can catch in urine. So that gotcha. probably was what they were able to test with that. A lot of people, I will say, do not like swab tests. No, mm-hmm. that sounds right. horrible. I didn't do a swab test. I did what Dean did. I got my blood drawn and then I got urine taken. I got a urine yeah, sample. Yeah, you guys, we do it all the time. Yeah, that sounds like an easier <laughs> way to get things done. Um, doctor, also, is it true? Because now I'm just like talking about que- like things that I have always assumed to be true about STDs. <laughs> is it possible to not... Is it true that you can't spread herpes unless you have an outbreak? That is a great question. So again, going back to what really constitutes an outbreak, a lot of people, again, can have an outbreak, not know it. And so what we call that is asymptomatic shedding. So asymptomatic shedding is when you are having a subclinical, not very um, obvious outbreak uh, with blisters and sores and some tenderness. And you're having an outbreak and you have intercourse with someone not knowing and then you can spread it, which again is why I think the numbers are so high and that it's underdiagnosed is because you can't have that skin to skin contact, which you can transfer the virus and then um, transfer it to someone else. Interesting. Okay. Well, okay, doctor. So question for you. So Jared and I, of course, in being in relationships, we're less of a risk for sexually transmitted diseases, of course. I'm, I wouldn't say zero, like you said earlier, um, but significantly less than a lot of our listeners out there uh, that I would imagine are going to be, you know, hot girl summering, uh, you know, coming out of the pandemic, more or less full full steam ahead. So what kind of advice would you have for yeah. the single people that are, you know, going out? Of course, like practice safe sex and all that kind of stuff. But what, like, what is your expectation for kind of what's to happen moving forward for everyone just kind of going buck wild? Yeah, I think that um, for hot girl and hot boy summer, y'all are in there right. too, um, <laughs> that they should, they should get a baseline. I think, you know, it's really important to get a baseline of testing for STD testing so that you really can have um, a fundamental knowledge of where you began, right? So if there is a symptom or you're suspecting that maybe you had exposure to someone, that if you were to retest, you can comparatively look at what your baseline was. Always the best thing to do. Always, again, again, practicing safe sex. But I think that one of the things that we should not be uh, afraid of is having the discussion. If there is an instance where you have, you know, exposure to someone, one night stands, whatever. What is it? Hot girl summer stand? Maybe we should call it that. Yeah, there you go. Coining terms over here on Help Us Like a Dating. (laughs) (laughs) That, you know, if, if there is an instance where you're feeling exposed, that is the most important time when you need to get to a healthcare provider in order to get you the care that you need, the testing that you need, and not feeling ashamed and then not wanting to go in. I think that happens a lot is that people feel so embarrassed that if there was a moment of lapse, um, that they don't want to go talk to someone. And that's kind of the worst thing to do because we can help. Um, We really don't judge. I I really could care less what you were doing with your time. I'm more interested in that you got to the office to discuss possible options on how to help you. That's what we're here for is to help. So while we're on the topic, it's always, of course, difficult to talk those things to your doctor about. But would you be willing to lend some advice for a partner to share with maybe a, a previous partner of theirs that also might be uh, you know, susceptible to, to getting the disease as well? Yeah, so I love the station specifically for herpes because, again, no one wants to talk about it. There may be people who enter new relationships um, and they don't know how to express to the person that they have a diagnosis of that. So I typically like to take out words that are triggering, such as um, herpes. I prefer HSV. Um, I don't like the word uh, I have herpes. I like 
in the past I have been exposed to herpes and therefore what I have learned is I'm very aware of my, you know, the condition. And if I do have an outbreak, I will always keep you and myself very safe. And I'll be very transparent as far as knowing that so that, again, you can stay safe. Um, I also think that there are other things that uh, couples can do together as far as their conversation in order to make sure that they're transferring information properly and that everyone is aware is sometimes when you get STD results, like I said earlier, like maybe go on a date is I think paper results like hard copy to show the other person is important because a lot of, I mean, I hear this all the time. A lot of people be like, Oh, I got STD tagged. It was all negative. They didn't ever go. Mm. So I think it would be, it would behoove both parties to say, Hey, here are my results. Have a look, you know, have at it. Um, and that way you yeah. can have more thoughtful conversations. And then also looking for people who do have a diagnosis, diagnosis of herpes is to make sure that if they're not on medication uh, every day to suppress, that there are other things that they can do when they do have outbreaks or they're, they're feeling that they're going to have an outbreak that they can use that are over the counter, such as FemiClear. I'm a big fan of FemiClear, which is kind of like a salve, which allows people to decrease the amount of pain and discomfort that they have during an outbreak that is not medication. So it's over the counter. And so I think that, you know, being cognizant of where you are in your sexual journey and being um, empowered by who you are, but also the relationships that you have, that people can understand these types of conversations, because the more that we, you know, have these uncomfortable conversations, the more comfortable they'll become. Yeah. And I wanted you to give you a minute to talk about FemiClear, uh, which are products that we could be found in CVS, Rite Aid, Walmart, walmart.com, target.com, Amazon, pretty much everywhere. So I know you're a big proponent of FemiClear. Um, so I wanted to give you a minute to talk about it. Yeah, I think, you know, we because of the stigmatization with HSV, a lot has not been uh, developed in the area of how to treat patients with it. And so, yeah, you know, science and technology has allowed us in the medical space to really have types of uh, interventions or medications that we know work on the virus and kind of suppressing the viral load. But there are things that, you know, through FemiClear that we've that help uh, patients really uh, decrease their um, discomfort when it comes to the disease process. When it comes to things like HSV and other uh, STDs, is there a difference between how men experience them and women experience them? I mean, I'm sure there are there are big ones. Like I know HPV can be uh, a lot more severe in women and men can just kind of carry it dormantly. But for the, for the more common ones like HSV and, and the others, is there any like differences that maybe would be good for all, everyone to know? Yeah, so if you look at the reproductive tract in general, um, men have a longer reproductive tract and women have a shorter reproductive tract in the sense that if, if you have a disease such as chlamydia, um, a lot of times that you can have what we call asymptomatic uh, symptoms. So someone might not necessarily have a discharge that's associated with chlamydia or gonorrhea and go unnoticed. And the reason why that's important is chlamydia is notorious for if it goes undiagnosed and untreated for some time, that it really can creep up the reproductive tract and kind of scar what we say the fallopian tubes. And that's where yeah. eggs pass through in order to be fertilized. So it can really cause some uh, fertility issues in the future. And this is why it's so important for people to uh, get STD uh, checks and testing also to not be embarrassed if they feel that they've had exposure and um, getting the treatment that they need for it yeah well I think the biggest thing too is because uh, I've, I've been tested and and I had uh, gonorrhea once in my early 20s mm -hmm. and it's it's always a, it's difficult thing to hear but then it, it would have been you know 
infinitely worse had I not gotten tested and then never been able to treat it. So I think that's what a lot of people need to understand is getting tested leads you to being treated and then obviously, you know, either coming out of it uh, without it or or finding a way to take care of it, both the pain and everything else too. So I think that's the biggest takeaway from everything too. Absolutely. And even that transparency in you sharing that is so helpful because um, a lot of people carry that shame and they feel that they can't tell anybody that they've had that in the past when it really is so common. If you look at the numbers and statistics, it really is a significant portion of the population that have had at some point in their life an STD. Yeah, we're open books here on Help I Suck at Dating. Yeah, you know? we are. We're not lying about that one. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. For everybody listening who wants to know more about Dr. Jessica Shepard, you can see her. You've been an expert on the Today Show, Dr. Oz, Steve Harvey. But of course, you can go visit drjessicashepard.com to learn everything you need to know. Uh, Doctor, thank you so much for joining us once again. Thank you for having me. Enjoyed. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Welcome back, guys. We are about to get into my favorite segment. Uh, unfortunately, Mark is not here to read our emails, but I'll tell you what, and I don't want anyone to share this with Mark. I think we have someone even better than him. Uh, Mark, oh, whoa. Oh my gosh. Easton, if you're there, do you want to jump in? I, I'm here. And read some emails for us. Thank you, Dean. What an introduction. My goodness. Uh, and I know Mark will be listening to this because he's paid to. Um, I think he's <laughs> the greatest in the world. I can't hold a candle to how he reads emails, but I'm going to try. Um, this first one is from anonymous. So hi, Nick. Thanks for listening. Uh, my boyfriend and I are in our mid thirties. So the topic of marriage comes up and with that an engagement and with that a ring, I've always wanted a big diamond for context. I'm looking at three plus carats. He doesn't Holy <laughs> hell. Wow. Uh, he doesn't know anything about diamonds. So when I broke the news about my expectation for the ring, I want, I let him know I'm down to split the cost. He thinks that spending this much on a ring is absolutely laughable, but he's like, hey, you know, you want what you want. And the fact you're willing to pitch in that much is great. So he's down for it. We're going to split the cost of the ring. Do you see this as emasculating? What are your thoughts? I would love to hear my favorite person on the podcast, Easton and Mark's takes as well. Wow. <laughs> what a compliment, Anonymous. Thank you. Oh, wait, I thought you just added that little part in, but they actually wrote that. That's I amazing. added one, one adjective in, but I, I will say you guys do always have incredible advice. So I, I see exactly where she's coming from. And for reference, I Googled 
how much a three carat diamond ring roughly costs. And you guys can correct me if you think this is wrong, but it looks like 20, 20 to 30,000 is what a three carat diamond ring costs. At the minimum. Okay, so that was that's actually that's not the as bad as it. I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, the the most expensive one I see on Google at the moment is thirty, just north of thirty thousand. So I think that's probably a good one. That's a three and a half carat. So full, full disclosure, I don't know how much Ashley's engagement ring was. <laughs> tell us, tell us about that actually for a second, if you don't mind sharing. So obviously you picked out the ring through the show, right? Well, yeah. So because we went down and got engaged in paradise obviously you weren't there because yeah. you left the day before and then decided to come back it was like you knew we were coming so you're like okay i'm gonna dip out and then once i know ashley and jared are out of mexico i'm gonna head back down get caitlin and go back to the states anyway so when you were picking out the rings with neil lane and i apologize for that i wish i could have been there for that moment uh, that aside so you weren't informed on the carrot of the ring. No, I knew how much the carrot was going to be. I got lucky because I was communicating with one of the producers who's communicating with Neil and they made the ring for me, which was great. And we went wow. with design and what, you know, obviously you have to work within a construct, but uh, they were really, they gave me a lot of wiggle room when it came to the ring, which was fantastic. But even, I think Ashley's is like a little over a carrot. I don't think it's mm. that three carrots. Yeah. Holy hell, that's ginormous. I mean, hey, Good okay. for you, Anonymous. Like, do you, girl. Yeah. But, wow, you're going to be blinging that thing around, shining everywhere. So to put yourself in that situation then, do you ever feel emasculated because you didn't pay for the ring for Ashley? <sighs> Not emasculated, but sometimes, especially when I see, I guess I feel bad, even though I shouldn't. I see a lot of my friends when they get engaged and they go to, you know, they're shopping for their ring and there's like, there is this certain, you know, uh, I don't know how to say, I don't want to say respect, but there's like this certain feeling that comes with somebody going to get the ring and carrying the ring and hiding the ring and like saving mm. up for the ring. It really says something. So I, I sometimes I feel bad because it's like, oh, mine is free. Like I never went through that. Especially when I see my friends spend, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars and save up. So I guess not emasculate, but sometimes I feel bad. Well, I know someone, so one of the three of us has had that experience. And I hope that he shares it with us. So, uh, okay. When I saw the three carrots, my, I, I too was shocked because the engagement ring I gave my wife was, uh, she, she's here to confirm some of these details. Was it just, it was about, it's about a carrot, right? Um, yeah. And here... <laughs> I'll be completely honest here. This is how I suck it in. We're bearing all. When I wanted to propose to Allison, I went to her parents and I said, I love your daughter more than anything. I would like her to be my wife, like asking permission. And uh, they said, that's fine. And they asked what I was going to do for a ring. And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm safe. I'm socking my pennies away and I'm going to get a great ring. And uh, Allison's mother said, oh, there's a ring I have that Allison's always really liked. And it's a, the diamond is beautiful. The setting is complete and utter trash. So if you get a new setting, you can have the diamond. That, di that mm. diamond was just over a carat. I bought the setting and uh, I got, I kind of got off scot-free because uh, the setting was not nearly as much as that diamond would have been. Um, and okay, Allison, did you feel like that was an emasculating thing? Cause I did not. She says, no. Do you want to come over and talk on the microphone? Okay. Yeah, come on, Alice. Come on, here. Put these headphones on. Talk to talk to Dean and Jared. Hello. Hello. 
Hey, Allison. Uh, no, I did not feel, well, I don't know if you felt emasculated, but I liked it because it meant we get to go on like another week of vacation at the Four Seasons in Hawaii, which I felt like was a better trade. <laughs> right, right. It's hard to feel emasculated on the beach in Hawaii mm-hmm. for, for an extra week. So t- tell me what we did with the ring after we got married. What did we do? We got more diamonds put in it. Oh, I got to <laughs> oh, like speak a little bit closer to the mic. <laughs> I'm actually not even wearing it right now. Um, but we, d- we I got to upgrade my settings. Easton bought the cheapest setting possible at the time. It was actually worse than the setting, the bad setting that it came in. And then like a year later, I got to pick out my own. And it's lovely. I, it's great. I mean, I know I'm not wearing it at the moment, but I do enjoy wearing it. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I never wear it. Uh, Allison, so my question is, was the ring important to you at all? Not really. I mean, I I like jewelry a lot. um, And I think it's really cool that I have that connection to my mom that it was hers. But that wasn't like a make or break thing for me. Um, I think if Mm -hmm. I hadn't been given anything, I would have been a little bummed. But I didn't really care (laughs) if it was like a giant ring. All right, that's good to know. Well, the anonymous emailer who just sent us an email said Mm -hmm. she wanted a three carat ring. That's crazy. That's, that's a lot. too many and carrots. Her, a whole three carrots. She's going to sink to the bottom of the ocean. She's going to break thing. a finger. Oh, at least two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so her and her boyfriend are splitting the cost. Oh. So what are your thoughts about that? Do you think it's okay if the, if, if the girlfriend's like, hey, this is the ring I want. I'll split the cost with you. And the boyfriend's like, okay, that's fine by me. Do you think that's okay? Or should like she just be okay with a smaller ring? Or should he save up more? What do you think should happen? I mean, that's unconventional, but it sounds like she cares more about the piece of jewelry, which I respect. Like, she, you know, why wear something every day that you don't want to wear? So I think if right. that works for him, I feel like I would feel personally weird about it, but I don't see a problem with it. I don't see a problem with it either. I think, like you said, she's going to be wearing it around every single day for the rest of her life. She should get the ring that she wants to wear every day for the rest of her life. And if it's the three-carat yeah. ring, it's the three-carat ring. I like this too because it shows they're already compromising. They're right. not even engaged yet, and they're already like, hey, this is a compromise. This is good. This is what we're going to need to do in our marriage. They're, they're, they're already in a healthy relationship. I like it. I think it's great. If, if I was the guy in that relationship— uh, and let's say she didn't even offer to pay for half of it. And she was just like, I want this three carat ring. Then, then I would, as the guy, I'd be like, well, what if I don't get you the three, three carat ring? It sounds like she's like willing to work with him. It's a, it's a very selfless thing. She's like, this is what I want. And I'm willing to help you get it for me. Like, that's a pretty selfless thing. In my opinion, that's anonymous. Sounds like a real winner. But what happens? It. Like she's inevitably going to lose that because she's going to have to take it off to do any chores or go to the beach. Like oh, no. when they have to replace it, what are they going to do then? Does he still have to pay for the other half again? I don't know. Right. Then that's on her. Yeah. Maybe when you're wearing right, then the next, then the replacements on her. Maybe with a three carat ring, that that is more expensive than any car mm-hmm. I've ever owned. That's more than the down payment I just put down on my Same. house. Maybe she'll be more careful with it. Well, we can hope. Good luck, anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for your help, Allison. Yeah, thanks, Allison. All right, let's get to Mia. All right, this one's from Mia, <laughs> just like Dean said. Wait, Easton, actually, yeah. we, we got Allison's uh, input on that, but we never really got yours. We know <laughs> your story, but what, what's your opinion of it? I think it rules. Uh, I, I think that um, if that's what, like what Allison said, like if that's what she wants, and it, it, it doesn't seem like it bothers her. Like, yeah, I know that there's a um, there's a certain, like, it feels good to be like, oh, I bought this ring for you, Uh you know, mm-hmm. th- that kind of thing. But here's something else. If you have all the money in the world, I've seen this happen. They'll get a giant ring and it just looks dumb. <laughs> like it's like in the shape of the green lantern yeah. lantern or something like that. It's like just a stupid yeah, yeah, looking yeah. ring that they're not going to want to wear. 
So uh, I don't think there's a problem with like, you know, if she wants a ring that's crazy expensive and she's willing to pitch on it, I think that's fine. If they want a certain type of design and they want to be involved with the like shopping of it and design of it, I know that takes away a lot of the like surprise element, but I don't see a problem with that either because this is a very important part of, uh, of, uh, you know, your data, you're going to look at that thing every single day. Um, so th- that's, that's what I had to say. Uh, I, th- the reason I told the story is that like my wife was very involved with the aspect of procuring the ring and, you know, and even after we got married, we changed it up and, uh, and she liked, I mean, she's not wearing it right now, but she, she likes the ring, uh, you know, by all accounts. So, uh, we're very happy about that. And that's what matters most, as long as they like exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. So that is my take. Uh, Mark cannot give his because he does not care about us. He's not here today. Uh, <laughs> moving on to Mia. My question is simple. Can a bad kisser be taught how to kiss well? A few weeks back, I shared a kiss with a young man, and the kiss was so bad, I just shut it down. Also, am I wrong for assuming a bad kisser is also bad in bed? Hmm, Interesting. I will say, I'll answer the last question first. I will say, yes, you are wrong to assume a bad kisser is bad in bed. Uh, I want to say, speaking from experience, not that I was a bad kisser, but uh, I just don't, sometimes I never know how far to go with what I can share on this podcast. No, it's always, it's always because I always wonder like, is this going to get back to Ashley? This is, it feels like I'm just talking to a couple of my guy friends, you know, like I can really let loose, but then I forget, oh, wait a minute. It's not just us three. My biggest thing is like, is it disrespectful for me to share these stories? Like, is is it, am I disrespecting Caitlin by sharing these stories? My gut says no, but sometimes I feel like maybe it is a little bit. Anyways, I'll tell a story anyway. So, I mean, I remember going on a date a while ago, like, like obviously pre Caitlin and I kissed this girl and it was the worst kiss I've ever had in my entire life. And then we went on a couple more dates and ended up sleeping together. She didn't improve kissing that much over time, but I mean, she was perfectly good in bed. And uh, now even saying it out loud, I feel like kind of icky saying that. But (laughs) that's my from personal experience, you can be a bad kisser and still be good in bed. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember an instant instance in the top of my head, where I kissed someone and it wasn't good. And then we ended up sleeping together. And it was really good. Like I, uh, I can't remember, really, maybe I'm a bad kisser. Maybe that's the (laughs) issue. Because I don't remember that many times where I thought, oh, wow, that was terrible or maybe i'm just that good of a kisser that i raise everybody else's level up you know i'm like the tom brady of kissing if you if you kiss me i'm gonna make you a better kisser (laughs) okay silence on that one i appreciate it i'll digress i love i love that your your whole explanation you're all over the chart on every single thing you're saying maybe i'm really bad at kissing or maybe i'm the best (laughs) kisser ever dean have you met me it's a constant monkey just like clapping The, the whatever those are called the drum things uh i think you can teach someone to be a better kisser but also i advise against that because it's probably going to bring out some serious insecurities with that human being and sometimes maybe if you're just not compatible physically you're not compatible emotionally i don't know easton what's your take on it uh i think I, because i i have to also kiss uh young ladies that have been bad at kissing, but also good in bed. But I think with men, hold on, wait, before you go any further, this, this young boy and this young lady thing, we got to, <laughs> you, you kissed a woman. Okay. All right. Mature woman. Um, a very, it's all relative. Yes. They were younger at, yeah. at the time of kissing. Exactly. Okay. So I, I've kissed many mature women, uh, that were bad at kissing, but good in bed. But I think with men, I think if a man is a bad kisser, there's no way he's good 
in the sack. I I really believe that. Mm. Uh, don't ask me how. I just <laughs> I just believe that. Um, and as far as teaching someone how to be a good kisser, you can. But here's the thing: the bigger question: Do you want to? I, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of commitment. And it's a lot of time. You're, you know, I don't know if you really want to do that. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, and I, why I think both of you guys are wrong is I have also dated bad kissers, like I said earlier, and you don't even really have to like, there's no conversations that need to be had. You just need to do it enough that eventually like they start to a get more comfortable with kissing B start to pick up new techniques, like C like kind of like maybe like understand your your perspective of the kiss like your style of kissing and then they start doing it themselves it's like a learning thing you're not going to be a great kisser the first time you do it just like you're not going to be a great basketball player the first time you go play basketball but you play enough basketball and eventually you get good so i think as long as you guys if you really like the guy kiss him enough until he gets good at kissing and you don't even have to like be like hey you suck at kissing get better just like do it enough to the point where he gets more comfortable with it and then things improve yeah i mean hey if you're willing to, willing to put in the time of the work, I'm all for it. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Help I Suck at Dating. Thank you so much to Anonymous. Thank you so much to Mia for emailing us in. Again, it's the only reason Dean shows up to this podcast. So please keep the emails coming. You can email us at isuckatdating at iheartmedia.com. That's isuckatdating at iheartmedia.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at help underscore I underscore suck underscore at underscore dating that's right a big thank you to of course dr jessica shepherd uh you can go visit dr dr jessica shepherd.com that's dr jessica shepherd.com for more information she was extremely extremely intelligent dean and i were talking about that off the podcast wow she was good we really want her to be back on the podcast soon uh dean am i missing anything i think you nailed everything right on the head jared thanks <laughs> hey Easton, will you do us a favor? Yes, yes. Will you tell the suck army the next time we're gonna see him? Next week. We'll suck le- we'll suck a little bit less. Oh my god. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. I've never gotten to say that. That's so fun. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to really to include you all the way through oh, here. You guys Perfect. are so sweet. All right. Well, since Easton kind of butchered it, be sure to tune in next week where maybe we suck just a little bit less. Follow Help by Suck at Dating on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.